You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the National Football Show, Hour 2, here with your boy Dan Cilio. Legendary voice of Alabama football, Eli Gold. By the way, if you've ever heard Eli call NASCAR, it's incredible. How about this? I'm not a NASCAR fan, but you become a fan when you listen to how NASCAR radio was pulled off with Eli Gold calling it. It's incredible. Some of the best radio you'll ever hear. I know, and I'm, I'm like I'm telling you, I'm not really... A guy to sit in a car, but I've heard it before. It's like incredible how they give you every turn. They give you all the things that are going on without watching it. You just listen to it. It's it's absolutely awesome radio, and it's lean forward radio, and he's just one of the legendary broadcasters. I love getting guys like that on too. You know, guys that are there, they see it, they've been around it. Like tomorrow we have Brad Sham on with us the legendary voice of the Dallas Cowboys. He's been around Cowboy football for 40 years. Or we had Merrill Reese on with us a couple days ago. I mean, anybody that's been – Merrill's been around the Eagles for 50 years. I just love those guys. We had Wayne Larravee of the Packers. He's calling Packer games now for 35 years. It's crazy. I mean, the only quarterbacks he's ever known in Green Bay were Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. How's that for you? So I love getting guys like that on. So. We will talk to the legend himself. That'll be Eli Gold. That'll be at the bottom of the hour. All right. Something has really begun to change in the NFL. But then again, something in our country has begun to change. It's how we look at things. And all the taboos that we used to have about things intersecting with sports. Remember how anytime you brought gambling up, Man, that was an absolute taboo when it came to broadcasting. No point spreads. There's a big giant. There used to be a big giant sign in all the NFL locker rooms that said that gambling is prohibited in any way, form, or fashion, and that you will be dealt with severely if there's any notion that you are involved in gambling. I'm paraphrasing it, but there used to be a big sign with an NFL guy right there in the locker rooms where you would see it, and it was made very clear to you. When you got your playbook 
and you went to training camp, one of the first people that the NFL would send in, they would send NFL security in. And they would make sure that you were not involved in any way whatsoever with Las Vegas or anything. As a matter of fact, when we'd go on our road trips, they have NFL security all down in the lounge areas because they don't want anybody coming up to the players getting any kind of intel that would maybe change a point spread. You know, even though the National Football League never wanted to admit it, the NFL was always involved with gambling. You know why? Can, well, what was the point, and what do you think the point is of releasing the injury report on Thursdays? Why do you think that is? Why would the NFL release an injury report on Thursday? Why would the NFL release an injury report at all? Why do the public need to know? Okay? You're going to support your favorite team. Why does the NFL release an injury report? What, what, what's the injury report for? Okay, it's for the gamblers. It's for Las Vegas. They've been doing that for decades. They never wanted to admit it, but it was for the gamblers because the points would start on Monday and it would change on Thursday when the injury report came out. I mean, you're smart enough to see that, right? But what has changed? Fantasy football. DraftKings. All of these new, and by the way, I'm for it because it creates more revenue for the players. I'm not throwing shade on anything here. Good for the league because they see another revenue stream. That's a good thing. Gambling, I, I'm, I'm all over it. Guess where now they're going down? Now they've got a new liquor ad. I'm not talking beer. Crown Royal now is a sponsor of the NFL. Hard liquor? This is the first time. That hard liquor now is being brought into a revenue for the league and having a revenue stream. So now you've got gambling and liquor involved in the NFL. More revenue for the players. Anytime that you can get more advertisers into your product, the more value you're worth, right? You now have hard liquor. It's not beer, Budweiser, Bush, any of these other guys. It's now hardcore liquor, and Crown Royal is now a sponsor of the league, okay? Can I tell you what I think is next? Cannabis. America's starting to go softer on that. There's certain states that are already having legalized it where you can go into, you know, you can go into Colorado, into Denver, Colorado, go into like a Walmart, and they got dispensers right into place. They got them in the street, too, where you can just walk in, buy yourself some weed, and leave. And it's a misdemeanor if you're driving or something like that. I really don't know the rules. I just know that it's now accessible in many states, especially out west. And now the National Football League, if you're looking at liquor and gambling, cannabis is one of the biggest produce products now, and it's one of the fastest-growing businesses in the entire country. California, it's their number one produce. Don't think it's strawberries and oranges and avocados. It's not. It's marijuana. Now the National Football League is going to do this with the CBD oils and stuff. I'm a fan of. Should have given me Percocets and Percodans, getting these guys hopped up on drugs. Maybe it's another way of being able to go through pain relief. Again, I'm all for 
America laxing their rules when it comes to how we perceive this stuff. And now the National Football League is playing a step behind. Oh, it's okay for the states. You've legalized gambling. The Supreme Court ruling two years ago. Oh, you know the only reason why you're not seeing in-house gaming yet at, say, places like MetLife, The Link, or Soldier Field? You know the only you know the reason? They haven't figured out how to monetize it yet. And the only way they can monetize it right now is through, what's that code thing called? Oh, yeah, fantasy football. You know those leagues they have where you can win money now? Hell, you can go to NFL.com now and win money, right? Playing fantasy football. Dude, back in the day, that was so taboo. That was so taboo. Now, they haven't figured out how they're going to allow players to be sponsors of some of these products. Can you imagine this? Okay, now you're going to be representing DraftKings or you're going to be representing a casino. you got a football team in Vegas now. Okay? You, you put a Raider football team and you're going to have a Super Bowl in Las Vegas one day. You're telling me you're not going to open up the door for marijuana and cannabis growing, and you're going to see those ads pretty soon on the television set. The NFL between hard liquor, gambling, and cannabis, holy cow. Man, the amount of money that's going to be shoveled in, not rifled in, shoveled in to the net wealth of the league is going to be incredible. Again, the morality of it, who cares? Okay, it's got nothing to do with it any longer. Morality. Are you kidding me? Turn on the news. Okay, it's got nothing to do with it. You, you, again, I tell the NFL all the time, dude, you're not the moral cops. Society will figure it out. Okay? My family will figure it out. Be a football league. Don't be like the NBA and Major League Baseball. See, this is where baseball and the NBA, they can't get their you-know-what together. You pull the all-star game out of – Atlanta, Georgia, for dumb reasons. Voter laws? Hoss, you sent it to a state that's got tougher voter laws. But because you wanted to make a point in the state of Georgia because of those two Senate seats, you were making a political statement. Act like a sports league. You're a sports league. You're not a political party. Baseball lost fans on that move. This is where the NFL does it right. Hey, you know, they kind of chirp their lips and they kind of chirp a little bit. But at the end of the day, have you seen any protesting in the last year and a half? No. The networks have been told none of that stuff being videotaped on the sidelines. Have you seen any of it? We're now being told that some of the players do it. You're not seeing it any longer. Because the NFL saw what happened to the NBA. Krause and I were talking about since 17, 48% of the NBA's audience has gone away. It's not because of political stump in here. It's because that people don't want to walk into a sub shop and buy a pizza. When you walk into a professional sports league and you're looking at NBA or NHL or NFL football, I want to go in for exactly I want to go in for it. When I walk into a barbershop, I want a haircut, not a shave. And some of these people think that they're going to tell you how to think with your politics. ESPN is the worst at it. Man, I would never want ESPN to represent my league. You know what they would do in their pregame shows? They would start stomping for a political agenda, and that drives people away. 
And again, I'm not being political here. I'm just telling you what I think football fans and sports fans want to see. Hey, if I want to get politics, you know what I do? I'll turn on CNN or I'll turn on Fox News. I'm not going to turn on ESPN or Fox NFL to sit there and listen to some people talking about crap. Leave that over there, man. Do you know what you know what sports is for people and most people? It's a respite to get away from that. I come to sports and I go to football or I go to baseball or whatever your sport is so that I don't have to hear all that nastiness. President sucks. Uh, okay, let me get away from that, man. Because what I want to do is I want to watch something that makes me feel good. Why do you think we turn on our favorite songs or watch our favorite movies over and over? Puts us all in a good mood. This agenda that these leagues have, it's crazy. That's why I love what the NFL's doing. Circle back here. So the league's now doing gambling. The league's now open to hard liquor. And now we're, I think they're going to be opening up for cannabis. Look who's involved in that, too. Tyson's making millions of dollars doing it. Uh, Lamar Odom has, like, farms all over the joint. It's one of the biggest businesses going, man. That CBD oil is something that the NFL needs to look at. Hey, if you could give me pain relief without giving me hard drugs, what's the issue? Oh, but it gets you high. Man, God almighty. Did we just not see the opiate? disaster that we had in our country over the last three years did we not go through that hard drugs that were given to americans man if you could give me something that wouldn't get me addicted to it and you can help my pain relief how's that not a good thing or i get it it's got something to do with politics okay make no no mistake about it okay it's just it doesn't it doesn't trend. What I love, though, is that the NFL is opening their eyes and their ears and their wallets for all this. All right. Let's go into this here. I, I put down a list. I'm a list guy. I was telling my boy Cal before we went on. I'm a list dude. I love lists. And I love teams that Maybe, get this, I'm not going to talk about the best teams. I'm going to talk about teams that could rise up this year and do something special. Now, you got to remember something about the NFL, okay? Remember something here. The league is a parity league. And what I mean by that is you sit in between 6 and 10. Now there's a seventh, now there's a 17th game, so I'm just going by last year's record. You sit between 6 and 10 and between 10 and 6. That's how the NFL is. They love everybody in that same pool. You have some 13 and 3 teams, 12 and 4 teams, exceptional teams that go 15 and 1. Those are the really great teams if they can close the deal and win a Super Bowl. Those are electric teams that lose one game, two games. I mean, that's so hard to do, especially with the war of attrition. I talk about attrition in the NFL. You lose a player here, lose a player there. Or maybe, you know, you're tanking. The game doesn't matter at the end of the year, and you blow a game up, and you end up 13-3, and three, whatever it is. Okay? But most of the time, you hang out in that middle of the pool there, 6-10, and 10-6. League loves you in that area. And how the league handles you is this. 
if you suck, you're going to get a weak schedule. And you're going to get you're going to get top draft picks. They want to help you, unlike every other league. Where, like, if you're in, like, the NBA, okay, and you're a team that stinks, you're going to stink forever. They don't try to help you. Okay, they're not looking to help you here. Baseball, too. Football, they try to help you. Let's see if we can get to give you a weaker schedule and give you bigger draft picks, more quality picks. Try to improve your roster. It's a cool thing. It's called parity. So it makes the league great. The NFL is as strong as their weakest link. And that's why the league looks at the bottom of the league versus the top of the league. Do you know that the television rights, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, you get stroked to check for $150 million in television revenue the same way the Dallas Cowboys get stroked to check for $150 million. You make your money in different areas, but every NFL team, it's profit sharing. Nobody makes more money when it comes to that television deal. Everybody gets stroked the same check. Cowboys may have the highest ratings. It doesn't matter. So now that we put the – I look at teams, and again, so most of the teams like from a year ago were seven and nine. Let me start here on five. I think the Patriots are going to jump up. I don't know who's going to start, okay? Could be Mac Jones. I doubt it. Okay, I do. It's going to be Cam, in my opinion. Cam will be better this year. I think you're going to get Stephon Gilmore decided to get him back into the roster. I think you're going to figure this whole thing out. I think you're going to get all your opt-ins. Uh, Dante Hightower said, hey, don't kid yourself. I'm not retiring. They're getting him from opting out last year because of COVID. I think the Patriots are going to be a playoff team this year. I think they're a 10-6 football team. Cam has a – if get this. They were 7-9 last year with Cam sucking. I think Cam was 7-8 as a starter, and he had COVID. I think he's going to be right in that conversation. I think they're 10 and 16. I got the Cardinals here, man. I think now Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, they finished 8 and 8 and had kind of a bumpy ending and a lucky game against the Bills. I like this Cardinal team. I think they've improved in their offensive line. Kingsbury's done a nice job with that offense. And Steve Cotton, the general manager, has done a hell of a job at adding components to that defense. Now, does J.J. Watt still have something left in the tank? I think he does. You're going to be shocked when I say this one. This football team ended up 4-11-1. I think they tied the Eagles, right? I'm, I'm, I'm Personally, I'm looking at it this way. I, I, I think the Bengals are going to be a surprise team because this guy, Joe Burrow, I love this kid. Now you get the wide receiver from um, LSU on the other side. I'll tell you what, man, Joe Mixon in that mix too. They've got some good football players in that defensive side of the football. I don't know if they're a, a playoff team, but they're going to be right there on the cusp of being a playoff team. You're going to have to check out the Bengals this coming season because the quarterback is a good-looking player. We talked yesterday with Greg Coleman. I think the Vikings, that could be an 11-5 and football team. Do not go to sleep. They sucked last year, and I was shocked. Kirk Cousins plays decent, puts decent numbers up. Dalvin Cook puts up 300 carries again. That defense has just got to come to work. That football team could be an 11-win team. I like, remember I said this, I like the Vikings. And the team that I think is going to be a team that's going to push the Chargers, I think it's going to be a char- I think it's going to be the, I mean, a team that's going to push the Chiefs. I think it's going to be the Chargers. 
that football team, we talked to Tom Telesco, the general manager of the team, a couple days ago, and you can tell they are excited about that football team and what Justin Herbert brings to the table. So Patriots, Cardinals, Bengals, Vikings, and Chargers. Those are my five surprises for the upcoming 2021 season. All right, we're going to punt over to college football. And the preeminent program in the country, the Alabama Crimson Tide, we're going to talk to the legendary voice of the Bama program himself, Eli Gold, next here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show. We're going to catch up with our friend Eli Gold, the legendary voice 
of Alabama football. I think Eli's been calling Bama football now for 40 years. Man, think of the national championship rings he has on his hand. Or wait, hands. That's pretty impressive, man. You know, you get a chance to call a program like that. And these Tiffany programs like Alabama or Notre Dame, I mean, there's nothing like being recruited by those places. You know, real quick, I'll tell you a quick story about being recruited by Coach Bryant. It's one of the funniest things that happened on my recruiting trails. And so I'm being recruited by Bama and Coach Bryant. And they end up, you know, sending me a whole bunch of stuff there. And I don't think a lot of guys from the Northeast. Now, again, you got to remember some Joe Namath is from Pennsylvania and they recruit all over the country now. I mean, okay. And, you know, it was really, <laughs> Hey, uh, you got to understand something. My boy Krause is a honk for, for uh, Alabama football, you know? And back then, this is when Bama was good, man, with Coach Bryant. And so he goes like this to me. He's like, well, you know, Dan, <clears throat> Alabama's a, we go after special people. I think you're a special kid. Talking on the phone with Coach Bear Bryant. I got a postcard, too. I should post it. That I'll, I'll tell you the whole story and how it ended, too. My grandfather, this old Italian guy, goes, you're going to go down to Alabama. I just went, dying kid from New England, right? And so, like, I got, I got, I got, I got to tell, I got to tell the legendary, I got to tell the legendary voice, Eli Gold, this story here on my recruiting trip for Coach Brian. Eli Gold joins us now here on the National Football Show. Eli, I appreciate you doing this. I, I got to tell you this, this Coach Bryant recruiting story. Sure. So I um. You know, I my, my, I started getting on Diane, how you doing? This is it's Coach Bryant. And then I didn't understand what he was actually saying. I just heard stud. And I kept hearing stud and stud and this and that. And he goes, we'd like you to come down. And I go. So I told my grandpa I was being recruited by Alabama. And my grandpa goes, how many time guys he has on that team? He goes, well, there was a guy named Johnny Musso. Sure. And he goes like this, Johnny Musso. A tiny guy like you down there. And I said, Coach, you know, as much as I, you know, I'm going to, choose and go to the University of Miami and play at the University of Miami. And he's like, well, here, he sent me a postcard, Eli. And he said this to me, congratulations to your decision. And I'll see you on Sundays. And I, I saved that and I have it to this day. And it's one of my prized possessions that I got a postcard from Coach Brian. It shows you how he really looked at the kids that he was trying to bring into his program. And I just ask you this, do you see the same similarities between Nick and how he talks to the current players and all the stories that we hear about Coach Bryant and how he deals with his guys back in the day? Yeah. Well, you know, I wasn't around with Coach Bryant. I, I did meet him a couple of times, but my tenure with the university started in the Bill Curry days. But the most amazing thing is watching Nick Saban, a, a soon-to-be-a-70-year-old a 70 year old man, deal with these 17- and 18- and 19-year-old kids. And as they have changed, as the student-athletes have changed over the years, Nick Saban has adjusted. He has changed his offense. He has changed the way he recruits. The man is, he, he, he is just amazing the way he has been. I mean, we know a lot of coaches and, and Dan, I'm not going to name names and I don't expect you to either, 
but we know a lot of coaches who have not been able over the years to adapt to the changing landscape. And I've known a couple of them in the SEC, and, and neither man is in the SEC any longer. Um, Nick Saban has been able to change and adapt to changes, uh, and, and it's, it's wonderful to watch. He is just, you know, he, 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 he has changed himself over the years. But, uh, yeah, the way he can deal with kids, he's, he's, not, he's not old at, at 70. Uh, he's a young 70. But from my point of the story, you know, he's not in his 30s or his 40s. And watching him deal with these young kids is, is just remarkable. You know, Eli, I think the most visible thing for me on the outside watching, and you're talking about his evolution as a coach, Nick, when I was recruited back in the day, he could have been at Toledo or something like that. This guy was a ground-and-pound coach. This guy was going to run the ball. He was not going to throw the ball a lot. He was going right. to play tough, fast defense, and he was going to have great special teams. I watched over the last six years that Alabama program from going to the ground-and-pound to being a spread offense in front of me, and usually there's mm -hmm. a transition, Eli. What, you know what the transition was? No change in the record. I yeah. think that is the genius of what he's done there. Do you agree? No doubt. And the genius of hiring good assistants and, and the, you know, and realizing how the game has changed. You know, let's go back uh, even more than six years ago when, when Terrence Cody, you remember Big Mount Cody, as we used to call him uh, for Alabama. Uh, Terrence Cody was, uh, you know, a guy who could play first down and second down but you weren't going to keep him in there on third down. You'd substitute somebody. Well, you could do that when the game was slower and teams did this thing that they used to call a huddle. <laughs> you remember, remember, remember a huddle? Well, you know, then it became the speed up game and, and you couldn't get the right personnel on the field because the offense was just going at breakneck speed. And although the coach didn't necessarily like that, he realized that, hey, that's where the game is going. And all of a sudden, he started recruiting different style of different body styles, if you will. Uh, and you don't see the, the Terrence Cody type any longer. And let's look at Alabama's offenses. You know, the, the Blake Sims offense was different from the A.J. McCarron offense, was different from the Coker offense was different from, you know, Jalen Hurts, different from Tua. Uh, he didn't matter. He didn't mind changing things up. He didn't say, all right, this is my offense, and we're going to play it come hell or high water. He modified his offense to best utilize the talents of his uh, players. A lot of coaches wouldn't have had the guts to do that. Nick Saban did so uh, you know and then he brought in people like Lane Kiffin who had a whole different approach you know say what you will about Lane the guy's an offensive genius learned at the feet of one of the greatest defensive geniuses his dad Monty Kiffin and Nick said look I need that I need to learn that and he brought him in and obviously their success was, was huge so you know, the man has confidence in himself. Speaking of Nick Saban, he has confidence in himself. He doesn't mind making changes. 
because he knows the game has changed and the and the student athletes have changed over the years. You know what? I'll say this to you too, Eli, that I think one of the most important things that I see with Nick, with his coaching staffs, like you just mentioned, he has no fear. You mentioned Lane Kiffin, some mm-hmm. dents in the fender. You mentioned like maybe Steve Sarkeesian, some dents in the fender. Bill O'Brien, who was just recently hired, yep. some dents in the fender. He has so much equity with the coaching fraternity and in the media that he brings guys in, and they're like reclamation projects. Look at Sarkeesian. This guy was, and I use the term dead in the water, his coaching career. He goes in there, wins a couple national championships at Alabama. He's now the head coach at Texas, one of the Tiffany programs in the country. I think also that's a testament uh, to what Nick Saban does. And look, everybody is so confident. Look, he's got two NFL head coaches on his staff right now, you know, Doug Marone and, and O'Brien. Uh, but, the, you know, Nick Saban is not threatened by having former NFL head coaches on his staff. He knows these guys are good and they were ready to come to Alabama and, and it's working out. And those guys wanted to have the opportunity to, you know, work with Coach Saban and see what he's all about. So the, you know, the, there's a respect that just overshadows all of this. Some of the biggest names, they wanted to come and coach at Alabama just to learn and then go elsewhere. Well, it's worked out. It's worked out. And, uh, you know, and that's one thing I can't imagine. I might be wrong. But I don't know of another staff right now that has two former NFL head coaches on it. Uh, I may be wrong, but uh, there can't be many if there are more than one. How about this, too, Eli? I mean, you're talking about losing your coordinator, both your wideouts in the first round, yep. your quarterback in the first round, your running back in the first round, multiple guys in that offensive line. Yep. And here they are, preseason number one again. It reminds me a lot of what Jimmy Johnson in my time back at the University of Miami when we could just reload. It's just been a conveyor belt, and it really goes to the testament that just like when we hear Belichick saying there's no days off, I can't think Saban has – I think he probably works harder in the offseason than he does during the regular season. Oh, he does. The man – and he works nonstop in the regular season. He never takes a day off. Yeah, they'll get away for a couple of weeks, but he'll always tell you. He said, you know, I might be at the lake. But, you know, and might be uh, putting the boat in the water at two o'clock. But from nine o'clock until two o'clock, he said, I'm on the phone recruiting. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like the John Wooden days at UCLA. You know, the man was a great coach, as Coach Saban is, X's and O's wise. But there's that advantage of which kid wouldn't want to play for John Wooden. You know, maybe the kid who was who grew up in East Lansing and always dreamed of pulling a green and white Michigan State jersey over his head. Well, you wouldn't get that guy. He was set. He was going to state. But otherwise, who wouldn't want to play for John Wooden in those days? Have every game on TV virtually assured of winning a national championship. Well, you know, Coach Saban still has to recruit. There's, this is not a gimme by any stretch of the imagination. But 
most of these young men at least will give Alabama a look-see and come to the campus, which, you know, I believe is one of the most beautiful campuses in America. And I know I, I look at life through crimson colored glasses and I'm, <laughs> I'm guilty as charged, but, uh, but, you know, but, the, and there's so much, the university's academic standing is so good, but who wouldn't want to at least listen to what Nick Saban has to say, because, you know, every year you're playing for the national title. There are more guys in the NFL from Bama than there are from any other school in America. Uh, I mean, who wouldn't? And that was something that Wooden had going for him in his day and that Nick Saban has going. Success breeds success. He still has to sell the program. No question about it. It's not a gimme, but success does breed success. Absolutely. Let me throw the extension out and what this means. Um, this obviously means that, you know, he wants to retire an Alabama Crimson Tide head coach. Mm -hmm. There's going to be no flirting with the National Football League. Um, you know, people always ask me, I go, why would a guy like Nick Saban want to give up all the things that he's created in Alabama to go listen to some owner or some general manager? He's got his own moat, his own kingdom. Yeah. He's created this legacy that no one has ever going to match. I mean, maybe the only guy is the guy that was there back in the eighties and that was coach Bryant. So this kind of puts that to rest, doesn't it? This uh, oh, extension. No question. And those of us who, who live here and, and know him and see him on a semi daily basis, we knew he wasn't going anywhere. Uh, he didn't like the NFL. Uh, Miss Terry loves it. His wife, she loves it in Tuscaloosa, you know, to such a degree, coach Saban moved his mom to Birmingham, which is just 49 miles up the interstate. Uh, his kids live in Birmingham, the grandchildren. Uh, and it's just a, a very comfortable situation for him. But he didn't like, <clears throat> he was not going to go back to the NFL. We all knew that. But, you know, people don't want to believe it. It makes for column inches to be filled and, you know, talk shows to be filled. But no. There was no question that uh, he was he was staying put, and uh, uh, he really has he's done well. That's quite all right. My wife says sorry as she. <laughs> oh no no no! We're we're all good. All seeing the goals. It's all good. As she walked through the uh, <laughs> the, the, the shot here, but uh, no, it's uh, he he loves the area. You know what else, Dan? You're going to find this maybe. I think maybe you and I talked about this on your radio show umpteen years ago. One of the biggest things that happened was the tornado that came through Tuscaloosa. Uh, for those who may not be familiar, it, it basically took 17% of the city of Tuscaloosa and wiped it right off the map. But Nick Saban found out at that time how much he meant to the community, not just as a football coach, but as a community leader how he and his players went out and fed people who lost everything. I mean, they, they got food and went door to door. Coach and Mrs. Saban, they have now bought and or built, not bought, but they built and, and put the money up for 18 houses uh, for people who lost their homes. Uh, it was done through the Knicks Kids Foundation and uh, the Habitat for Humanity. Uh, they worked together. Uh, I, he really realized how much he meant to the community and how much the community meant to him. 
and uh, you know he he mellowed a good bit. Not totally. He's he's still Nick Saban, but uh, he mellowed a good bit. And that was another time when I realized that he wasn't going anywhere. Uh, those of us who were here and saw him daily uh, knew that that he was here for the for the long haul. How about this, Eli? Last year, I say this. You know, asking you if that was the best football team and collection of talent he's ever had, it's so hard when you're trying to pick your favorite chocolate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I probably think – would you agree, though, that this was probably his greatest journey to a national championship because yeah. of the pandemic and everything that was involved with it, players yeah. opting out potentially, players being injured, Waddle getting hurt early, all of that. I mean, you're, you, was this the best journey he's had since he's I been there in Birmingham? I don't think there's any question about that. Putting it the way you did, uh, there's no question about that. It was, you know, be, with the COVID, with all of that. But notice there were no opt-outs you know, here at Alabama. These kids bought in. They wanted to be part of the program. It was going to be an all-SEC schedule. It was, you know, it was, but yes, there was no question that he, now a few years ago when he went, we had to go like five deep in the linebacker depth chart. You know, that was outstanding. You know, this guy gets hurt, all right, you bring the next guy. This guy gets hurt, you bring the next guy. This guy gets hurt, you bring. I mean, I was the only guy who didn't play linebacker, I think, and uh, and and still we go on and, and win uh, a title. Uh, so there have been some great ones, but you, I'm glad you didn't ask me to compare teams or players, because you know how do you compare uh, Jalen Waddle? How do you compare Devontae Smith to you know Julio Jones? Uh, and, and, and many others of that ilk. You know, how do you compare the running backs and so on? It's, you know, once you get to that level of talent, it's, you know, you're splitting hairs. But yes, dealing with everything they dealt with and the way the kids bought in and the coach missing the uh, Iron Bowl because of COVID and this, that, and the other. Uh, yeah, it was, it was probably his, his best journey, as you put it. Merrill Reese was on with us the other day, the legendary voice of the Eagles, been calling sure. Eagle games for 50 years. Exactly. He said he's never seen, and I know it's like mini camps, it's OTAs. He's never seen a more electric player in his time calling Eagle games or being around camps than Devontae Smith. Give me your synopsis of what you saw with him as an Alabama Crimson Tide player, why you think he'll make it in the NFL. Well, I don't think there's a question. He'll make it in any league he wants to play in. He works hard. Uh, he's got a set of hands, man. It doesn't, I mean, it's it's just remarkable. I asked Nick Saban one day, because he had made, uh, Devontae had made a couple of magnificent catches in some ball game. And I do, I host the coach Nick Saban radio show every Thursday night. So the following Thursday, after Devontae made one of those spectacular catches, I said to the coach on the air, I said, hey, tell me. I said, you know, when he makes these kind of grabs, I said, we're up in the booth and, you know, we're just shaking our heads in amazement as I'm as we're calling the play. I said, do you ever stand there on the sidelines and just shake your head during a game amazed at what you see? And he said, 
I don't have to wait for game day for that to happen. He goes, he does a whole lot of that stuff during the practices. So uh, it's the guy just has one. of He's one of those great talents. Uh, he runs well. He has outstanding speed. Uh, the fact that he's not the biggest guy in America, well, I don't think that matters. Uh, you know, we've seen some of the best defensive backs in the country try to stop him. Uh, they've not been able to. He competed every day in practice against arguably one of the best defenses in the country. They couldn't stop him on the practice field. So, and I, I'm interested to see how well he and Jalen Hurts, uh, assuming Jalen is the quarterback, and I'm not, that's not my job to, to make that call, but uh, assuming Jalen's the quarterback, it's just going to be remarkable uh, to watch that Bama combination get rekindled if, the, if it does. Tell me what you, two last questions for you here, Eli. Um, tell me what you, in your opinion, is of Jalen Hurts, because, you know, if you talk to one person, they would say this, you know, he's got a lot of work to do. And if you talk to some, some other people, you would say this, this kid's got a great chance. I, I, I look at him like this. Boy, he was a great teammate in Alabama. He won a lot there. Mm -hmm. Then he went to Oklahoma, learned a brand new system. The players loved him there. He shows up to Philly. Everyone in the locker room loves him. There just seems to be something like a Dak Prescott aura about the kid yep. that people gravitate to him. Do you get that same sense? Oh, there's no question. He was always like that. The nicest young man you'd want to see. Of course, let's not forget he grew up with a coach. You know, his dad was a coach. And that's a big factor. That really, you know, you're immersed in, in football. Uh, and I'm sure he's got stuff to improve on. Everybody does. Heck, I'm sure Tom Brady would tell you he could do something better than, you know, than he's doing right now, whatever it might be. But, uh, yeah, I don't see why he wouldn't do well. He runs well. He can make things happen out of nothing. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him get a, a bona fide chance in the National Football League. And when the guys like you, when you're beloved in the locker room, you know, man, you've been there and done that. Uh, they'll play as hard, if not harder, than they knew they could uh, just to support him. So uh, I, I'm looking forward. He, to me, he's a, he's a huge asset for the Eagles, as they say. He's a huge <laughs> asset. Finally here, uh, Mac Jones. I wonder what the conversation was like between Belichick and Nick Saban because that relationship is so strong between those two. And there's how much of a selling job, or if there was any selling job, that Nick had to do to Belichick for him to be able to draft him. Do you think that conversation went long or short? Well, I, I think it was fairly short because, number one, you know, Bill Belichick is a, is a genius in his own right. He watched every game. He watched all the film. Uh, it wasn't like this guy just showed up and, and walked on. Uh, so he had seen – but, you know, Nick Saban can talk about the kind of person that Mac is. And Mac is a genuinely wonderful young man. So I'm sure Nick, you know, Bill Belichick probably said, so what do you think? You know, and, and Nick said, you'll be foolish not to take him. And, you know, I didn't know, you know, obviously the 49ers had some questions and, and chose 
not to take him. Uh, is he the fastest man on two legs? No. Uh, but there's so much he can do. And let's face it, and I'm not comparing him. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not comparing him to anybody else. But there are some great NFL quarterbacks over the years who had to be timed with a sundial, <laughs> who were not great runners, but all they could do was win. And you all know, everybody knows who I'm talking about. Uh, Mac just has that element. He could win, has a great arm. I mean, everybody says, well, you know, how does how could he not lose? He was surrounded by Jalen Waddle. He was surrounded by Devante. He was surrounded by John Mechie. Well, since when did that become a crime? <laughs> Since when did it become a crime to be able to hand off, you know, to, you know, to a world-class running back? When did it become a crime to be protected by the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line? You know, yeah, but you still have to do the job. Guys still get through. You still got to get those, you got to throw those dimes down the field to Devante. You still got to do all of that. So, uh, I don't think there's any question he will be a, a wonderful NFL quarterback. And I think Coach Belichick and Coach Saban, I'm sure they talked about him, but I don't know if there had to be a whole heck of a lot of selling that was done. That's right, Eli. I tell everyone, man, usually your most successful quarterbacks in the NFL couldn't jump over a ruler. <laughs> well, you mean, look back, Johnny Unitas, even going all the yeah. way back, John Constantine Unitas. You know, I mean, the man was not – a, a, a speedster, you know, heck there are guys in more recent years. I mean, Peyton Manning, and I'm not comparing him to Manning, but Manning was not what you'd call a speedster. Was John Elway a speedster? I'm not comparing him to John Elway, but he wouldn't have beaten many people in a flat out foot race. Uh, you know, there are a lot of elements that make a quarterback and, uh, you know, and Mac just standing in and taking the hits when he had to, dusting himself off you know another thing that really showed me something was when he threw those two pick sixes in the iron bowl against auburn you know for the folks who are watching this in our state of alabama where you don't have the nfl you don't have the nba you don't have the nhl you don't have major league baseball college sports is the thing college football is the top of that thing list and no game is bigger than Alabama and Auburn. And he throws two pick sixes at Auburn's stadium, dusted himself off and brought the team back to be in a position to win the game. They didn't win. Bama didn't win. Auburn did, but there were a lot of quarterbacks who probably would have rolled over and played dead after throwing two pick sixes in the same game against your number one rival. And, uh, you know, and he didn't roll over and play dead. That that day showed me a lot about what made Mac Jones very, very special. I leave you with this. I played for one of the Alabama coaches and one of the Alabama legendary players in Ray Perkins. And I'll never forget, Eli, I'm sitting – I'm sitting back there and, you know, I just, I come out of the era of the university of Miami where we were winning every single year, all the national titles. Mm -hmm. And, and Ray goes like this, Cilio, I don't care what you think that Florida state, Florida game is houses are put up in the Alabama 
Auburn game, my friend. People's salaries are put up in that Alabama-Auburn yeah. game. It's a whole different – I say it's the best rivalry in all of college football, Eli. Well, I, I don't argue with that, and people are going to dispute it, and that's fine. But I've had the luxury and pleasure of being asked to do a lot of national radio broadcasts over the years on weekends when Alabama was off. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been called to, to do national games. I've done, I guess it's three Michigan-Michigan State games now. I've done a USC-UCLA game. You know, and it was as big as those games were. And maybe it's because of the communities. And that's why I went back to the fact that here in Alabama, college sports is king. But, you know, in, 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 Detroit, in, in East Lansing and Ann and Arbor, you know, you had to deal with the Lions were still playing, the Pistons were playing, the Red Wings were playing. Uh, the, the the end of the season for the Tigers was going on. You had to go to page six of the newspaper to get coverage of Michigan, Michigan State. You had it as the fifth story on the sportscast on TV each night. And the same thing, you know, you go to USC, UCLA, great venue, great setting. Uh, it was like, you know, some people knew, but the place was half full, you know, it's not like that here in the state of Alabama. It reminded me of John Hanna. You remember John Hanna? Oh, yeah. Great, oh, yeah. great lineman uh, in, in all every Hall of Fame, folks. Uh, he was uh, drafted by the, uh, by the Patriots and was one of the absolute all-time greats. And uh, he goes up to uh, Foxborough and has his introductory press conference at what was then called Schaefer Stadium. Uh, when they first built that uh, stadium in Foxborough. And he's at this introductory press conference the day after the draft. And one of the reporters says, now, John, he said, what are you going to think about playing every single game in front of 56,000 people? (laughs) (laughs) And Hannah says, well, I'll be a little disappointed. But, uh, you know, and the guy said, what? He goes, well, and he, at that day, Bryant-Denny Stadium and, and Legion Field held 80,000. He said, well, you know, I play every game in front of 80,000 in college, so 56 will be a bit of a drop-off, but I'll get over it. You know, <laughs> so it's uh, you, you got to be able to put everything in a perspective. Absolutely. Eli, it's been great catching up with you. I so thank you so much. You always find time for me, my friend, and I can't wait to see this upcoming season. And by the way, go gentle on me in week one, okay? Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you never know, man. You never know what's going to happen, but uh, I'll, I'll remember you as I uh, do the play-by-play play of, of an hour. You know, you got a great quarterback, though. Yep. And that's Eric King. So very, Eric King is very, you know, you, yep. you can't overlook that fact. So uh, you just never know. Should be very interesting. Eli, thank you. And tell your wife hello. Thank you so much. I'll do it. See- you got it. That is a legendary Eli Gold. Oh, my God. Really cool, man. I mean, story after story. He's right. One thing about that rivalry, Alabama-Auburn, it <laughs> – when you, I played at Jordan Hare and I played at Legion Field. And when you play at those places, okay, the fans, like he said, that's their only game in town. That's their only respite, as I said earlier. 
is that game. Alabama football, Auburn football. I played at Jordan-Hare, too, as a matter of fact, my freshman year when I was at Maryland. We played against Bo Jackson when Bo was a freshman. And Lionel James and Tommy Agee, all three guys ended up going on and playing in the National Football League. Man, and I stayed Alabama, I'm telling you. Football is king. <laughs> make, make no mistake about that. How about that, man, what he said about Devontae Smith? You know, and you know, it's funny. I was telling Krause a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, right next to the NFL draft. The guy's a shrimp. Man, I, have you heard anybody from Ed Ogeron at LSU to Merrill Reese to Eli Gold, have you heard anybody say anything negative about that kid's potential on going into Philadelphia and having success this coming season? And I, you know, I told you this a couple days ago. I was talking to Chris Carter and Chris goes, Sills, this is a whole different NFL, man. You're, you, you, you're not going to see guys getting mugged on the line of scrimmage or get press coverage the way you did back then where you can mug a guy. You know, you got a five-yard rule now, and that's why these windows are a lot open compared to what they used to be back in the day. You know, you can pick guys back in the day. You know, Jerry Rice, like I, I told people this, Jerry Rice in today's NFL, he'd have 2,500 yards receiving every year. You're telling me you got, you can't chuck that guy down the field, Jerry Rice? He's, he With Montana, he's undefensible. He'd be undefensible. The question is really going to be the signal caller. If Jalen can get him the football and that guy's got open space, it should be pretty interesting to see. Tomorrow from USA Today, we will talk to our friend, Hall of Fame voter, Jared Bell, get his thoughts on the upcoming NFL season. Also, the voice of the Dallas Cowboys, the legendary Brad Sham will jump on with us. He's been calling Cowboy games for over 35 years. We really appreciate it with our boy, Krause. Cal, you do a great job. Big Joe, thank you so much. Don't forget, like the show, please. And if you missed any of it, we're on the Jacob Media channel, 4 to 6 Eastern time. Till then, we'll see you on the flip side. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.